At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. What's going on? Welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Eikenoffer of Pelicans.com. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope those enjoyed lots of stuff going on in the Crescent City Hogs for the cause, of course. The NCAA Final Four, which we'll talk to our guest about here in just a minute. And also Pelicans, if you had a chance to stay up late, a huge win over the Lakers on Friday night. Unfortunately, um, not a great game last night. They fall to the Clippers 119 to 100, but still playing to play for for New Orleans. And that's where we'll welcome in Rod Walker, sports columnist for NOLA.com, the Times Picking an Advocate. He was at the Final Four on Saturday. Of course, he watches the Pelicans closely. He's always the one tweeting about the standings, the upcoming schedule, everything you need to know about the Pelicans. Rod Walker has you during this play and push. Hello, Rod. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So let's talk about the Pelicans first. Just one win away from clinching a play-in spot. Um, how big was that win over the Lakers? What did you see in that game? A game that, you know, Lakers were up five with five minutes to go. The Lakers pulled out all the stops. AD played, LeBron played, and, and yet you still were able to sweep the Lakers. Uh, what impressed you the most about being able to pull that one off? I think just the fact that, I mean, you know, they had just come back against the Lakers, what, five days before that, and you knew the Lakers were gunning for this game. I mean, the night before that, the Lakers had – I can't remember AD. I think AD and LeBron both sat out that Utah yeah. game. I think, and it's like they were saving them for this game almost. And they knew the urgency that was there, and um, the, the Pelicans were still able to, you know, to withstand that. And that, just, that was just really impressive to me. It just says a lot about this team and just their mindset. Have you been able to gauge, kind of, based on your your columns and your tweets from about the Pelicans, uh, how much more interest the city has in in the Pelicans right now? You've been able to gauge that just based on your interactions with with fans and everything else. I think you can definitely see it on Twitter, man. It's um, it's actually pretty incredible, especially there's something about the Lakers. Well, we know what it is about the Lakers, but yeah. they really get up for those Lakers games. And uh, you can just see the – I mean, there's just a lot of talk about the Pelicans, which, you know, we haven't really seen a whole lot around here, and it's really starting to pick up. And um, it's just a, a testament to what this team's done this season to be able to rally back from that, you know, the start they had that wasn't 
it wasn't the greatest start and they've been able to rally and here we are talking play-ins and playoffs. So that's uh that says a lot about this team. I always I always notice when I open up my phone in the morning or after a stretch where I hadn't checked it in a while. A lot of times during the season, you know, if especially it's pretty quiet, you open it up in the morning and you see the number that has the mentions and it'll say five or six and there'll be a few different comments. Lately it's been like, you know, the thing that pops up that says a hundred plus. I feel like if I'm not on there every um, hour or two, it pile, the mentions pile up like crazy. So it, it's been so much fun. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure that's what you're referring to as well, Rod, in terms of just how much um, interaction there's been and how day to day everybody's been following every, every situation revolving around the standings and the team. Yeah. We, you know, we always say, you know, winning sort of cures everything and, you know, your team starts winning, everybody's going to jump on board and this, this is going to continue to be, you know, as they, you know, during this final stretch of the season here, these last four games. Before we get to Jim, I have one more question. You kind of mentioned it a little bit, but this team started off one and 12, three and 16, and yet last night had a chance to secure a play in spot um, and still are a couple games away, a couple wins and a couple Spurs losses to hosting a play. And what does it just say about not only the team, but Willie Green and everyone else that you start off so poorly with so many injuries? You haven't played, Zion has not played a single game, and yet you're staring a play in spot right in the face. I don't know if that was me or Jim. Um, yeah, that's I think all right. That's, Sorry. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I think it says a lot about, again, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about Willie Green. I mean, I think he's a guy that, I mean, he won't win coach of the year, but I think, I mean, I think Taylor Jenkins at Memphis probably deserves that <laughs> that honor just because he's done so well. But I think what Willie Green's done and to be able to keep this thing afloat when it could have easily just, you know, gone off the rails, but he was able to keep his team focused. And you look at just how much fun these guys are having with each other. I mean, there's a camaraderie that I haven't seen since I've in my years of covering the team. And um, there's just something different about this team. And there's not a team on the schedule that you look at and say, and you say, well, Pelicans aren't going to win this game. I mean, they are a legitimate team. And CJ McCollum has added so much to this team and they have, a, they have a chance against anybody. I mean, that's just how, how good they are. And that's how, how well they're playing right now. I think Pelicans fans are happy to hear that considering that right now the goal is to make the playoffs. And if they make the playoffs, they're going to be playing against, a one seed that's very good. So I think people would love to see, even though obviously people would, no matter who the eight seed is in the West, it's going to be a situation where people nationally say Phoenix is a, a massive um, favorite, which is totally understandable and totally right. accurate and understandable. But nonetheless, I think people will be would be thrilled to just have that opportunity. So that's something that we look forward to. One of the things that you mentioned um, that I wanted to talk about just quickly was um, – not even necessarily have a question on it, but just um, the the coach of the year race is amazing this year in terms of, I feel like a lot of years, Willie Green would be even further up the list, but there's so many guys across the league that have done a great job, whether it's Taylor Jen Jenkins that you mentioned. A lot of people think Monty's going to win. Williams is going to win coach of the year based on they had a huge breakthrough year last year, and then they come back and they're going to be the only team in the league that wins 60 plus. I mean, you're talking about the job that Bickerstaff has done in Cleveland Eric Spolstra with Miami, they've had a million injuries and they're still somehow the number one seed in the East. So that part has been uh, been really interesting to see just how many great coaching jobs I do, have been done. I do think that Willie is getting more credit and recognition, especially over these last few weeks in terms of maybe not, he's not maybe not in contention for coach of the year, but so many people look around the league or around the league are looking at this team and saying like, man, what a job that this guy has done to start the, the, the way that they have and to be in the position that they're in. But nonetheless, to get back to um, kind of the situation with the Pelicans and the standings and that kind of thing, 
I have a two-part question about for you about the play-in race. First, um, obviously, New Orleans still needs to win one more game or have the Lakers lose a game to ensure that they're actually in the play-in tournament. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but assuming that the I'm sure the percentage I'd have to crunch the math, but the percentage of that happening is probably about 99.5% that either the Pelicans will win a game or the Lakers will lose a game from here on out. So my question is, the first part of the question is um, if the Pelicans are in the play in tournament, who do you think that they w- would be better off matching up against the the Spurs or the Lakers? Man, that's a really good question. I think, <laughs> and if, if you look at what happened this season, I mean, I think, the Lakers is the obvious answer just because they swept them during the season. But, man, I mean, do you really want to play LeBron uh, one more time? I mean, I just – I mean, we've seen what he can do, and that's just kind of one of those teams. I, I'd just be kind of afraid to to play again. I mean, again, I, I mean, obviously the Pelicans have had their way with them this season and, you know, sweeping them in the three games. But, man, I think I'd rather play the Spurs, and I obviously I think it's better to play the Spurs. Well, I think it's better if the, if the Pelicans can can lock into that nine spot and, and get to host the Spurs. I mean, you don't want to have to go to San Antonio as a 10 seed. So, um, sure. I, so I would say the Spurs, and I'd say the Spurs at obviously in the Smoothie King Center. And the second part of my question related to the play-in matchup is, who does Rod Walker prefer as the uh, – who, who would you prefer to see as the matchup in the 9-10 play-in if the Pelicans make it? <laughs> I think as a as a writer and – the better story is obviously LA. I mean, if this is a, if this is a team that, I mean, there, there's history between these two teams and I think it just builds up some more anticipation. We just talked about the Twitter buzz when, when there's something involving the Lakers. And I just think, you know, that's definitely a better quote unquote story. And, um, and I do think this is a Pelicans team that's, you know, they're not afraid of the Lakers, but um, so I think that would be, you know, a more intriguing matchup for the for the fan base. I mean, can you imagine this city if you got Lakers and Pelicans one and done season on the line? I mean, it's it's like March Madness all over again. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that that would be my pick as a as a sports writer. And um, I think the fans would, you know, they want to see that. Yeah, I think people. A lot of people are torn because, as much as as you, I totally agree that people would be so excited to for that game and the tickets would sell quickly and people would be fired up and you'd have pretty much the whole city would, would stop for a few hours to sit down and watch that game. On the other hand, I feel like there's also a segment of fans that just want to see the Lakers eliminated from playing the playing contention at all. And they'll probably celebrate to some extent, just based on that when obviously if the Lakers don't make the play and they can't match up against the Pelicans. So I think it's kind of 50, 50 on that front. But um, I, I did write, I think it was last week one day, I think I mentioned, yeah, we had a round table with me and Christian Clark and Scott Kushner. And I mean, this was after the Pelicans beat the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers are going to get in. I just don't see it happening. I just think their schedule is a little too tough. And when they lost it, when they got swept by the Pelicans and I mean, losing these two games these past, you know, the past week, I just thought that was probably, probably it for them, especially when they lost it, you know, Friday night to the Pelicans. I thought the sure. Lakers were pretty much done then. So, yeah. Yeah. The math is not, does not look good for them because um, one of the things I pointed out yesterday in right what I wrote and in Twitter too, is they have to win at least three out of the last four games to even have a chance. So if they even go just two and two, I think they're on a six game losing streak right now. If they go two and two in their last four games, it doesn't matter. They're, they have no chance they're eliminated. So, I mean, that's pretty daunting, especially like you said with the schedule that they have left over the last week of the season. So um, they, they, play, 
Oh, go ahead. I said if they play Phoenix next, you know, and Phoenix is right. a team that's going to be the one seed, and you know, Phoenix is probably like, let, let's get rid of the Lakers now, so let's do our right. part. So right. then they play Golden right. State after that. So I mean, yeah, it just doesn't look, it doesn't, doesn't look good for them at all. And who Last knows if LeBron? Sorry, who knows if LeBron's even going to play? I mean, he sat out right. against Denver. And the only way I think he plays is if he wants to get that scoring title. He needs to play in two of the last four games. And so, if he rests up and they might not be playing for anything, but he's able to go in and score some buckets there in the final two, that may be the only reason why he plays. But I think that's another factor: is if they just say uh, my ankle is a little more important right now, I need to hold off. Or I think if he sits out another one, it kind of shows their kind of priority of well it is what it is right now we'll just sit him out and see what happens yeah yeah the last thing I was going to ask you Rod before I go back to Daniel you talked about kind of the chemistry of this team and just how how well they get along together no you've been covering teams here for a long time and been in the sports um, writing business for a while have you seen a team like this before in the NBA or any sport I mean how unusual is it to have um, a group of guys that just seem to be such, it feels like sometimes like the whole team is best friends with each other. I mean, how, how unique do you think that that has been? I think it's really unique. You know, NBA, you know, sometimes you have a lot of egos and, you know, these guys are, you know, but you don't see that with this team at all. And it's, it's just incredible to me. And I don't know what Willie Green did to instill that in them, but I just think it's really impressive that in a, in, a, in a league like this that's so superstar driven that this team has been able to sort of not get caught up in that. And I think, you know, you look at the Phoenix roster, I think they're, and I haven't been around the Phoenix team, but I sort of see some of that in them too. And I, so I'm thinking maybe it's something Willie, you know, he got from Monty and you even look at the Golden State team. I mean, you don't see a lot of stuff with that. And, you know, Willie was at Golden State prior to Phoenix. And I just think there's something about being able to get these, these superstar players to all just be on the same page and be so unselfish, like, like Willie Green's been able to do. And I just, I'm just really impressed with it. It's, and this is a first year coach, you know, he, <laughs> a first year coach who got off to a really slow start, who didn't have arguably his best player with, with Zion. And he's been able to still to do this. And I just think that's really impressive. Yeah. It's really been an incredible story, what he's been able to do with his squad and, and seeing the talent that you'd be able to get from the rookies and Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones and Trey Murphy and the C.J. McCollum trade certainly has, has helped out. So, yeah, an incredible story for this Pelicans team, a story that's still not finished. And what's also not finished is the NCAA tournament, which we're going to transition to right now with tonight, Kansas against UNC in the national championship game inside the Caesar Superdome. Rod, you were there for Saturday night, completely jealous of what you were able to see there. Uh, the first game was iffy with Kansas really having being in full control during that game, but the UNC Duke game, you couldn't have written a better script, not only for those two teams meeting in the national semifinal, but potentially Coach K's last game, which it was, and then how the game ended. What was that atmosphere like inside the Superdome on Saturday night? I can't – people have been asking me that over the past couple days. I really can't even put it into words, man. It was just – I mean, electric is the word I typically use, and that kind of describes it. And, you know, the funny thing is before the game, I actually thought that um, – you know, sometimes when you have a game like Duke, Duke North Carolina, there's, there's all this hype and expectations and it doesn't live up to it. So I was thinking, I said, okay, I think I think Villanova and Kansas going to probably be the better actual game and Duke's going to probably – I thought Duke may actually blow North Carolina out. Um, sorry about that, Will Gallery, if you're watching this, but <laughs> listen to this. But, um, yeah, I mean, it lived up to the, all the hype, man, and it was just um, – the crowds was – I mean, every shot – it got to a point where, like, every shot was just – 
you know, the, the place would just explode after every every shot that, that was made. And um, just, and obviously the historical aspect of it with, with Coach K's last game. And, you know, there was a story, you know, you kind of wanted, some people wanted to see the storybook ending. And you thought that's how it would play out and it didn't. And it just, that's kind of what March Madness is. And, you know, that's just how these tournaments go. It never goes like you, like you write it out. I mean, it just doesn't happen like that. So uh, it was just incredible. And after the game, you know, Coach K was, he had his post-game interview and the room was packed. I mean, I've never seen a post-game interview room packed like that. And, you know, he had all of his family members were there on the side. And, you know, Coach K tried to sort of downplay it. He didn't want to make it about, make the night about him. But obviously it was about him. I mean, this is, you know, he's the winningest coach in college basketball history. So just an incredible night and just something glad I was able to say I, I was there to to see along with 70,602 other people, I think is what the announced attendance was. Yeah, and it, it was, was, every seat was was full. Um, and Mike Haas, who works at the Superdome, he actually tweeted a picture out today. I saw it. It was like five minutes left in the game and he was showing the concession stand area and there was like nobody out there. Like yeah. everybody was actually <laughs> inside watching the last five minutes of that game because that's just how, you know, how much of a nail biter it was. Hey, you talk about how many people were there. What does this mean for the city that's gone through? Of course, everyone's gone through the global pandemic, but New Orleans was hit hard um, with tourism, of course, when the pandemic hit. And then, of course, with Hurricane Ida as well. To see the city, and you've seen national writers been tweeting about it all week, how why isn't New Orleans hosting it every single year? I think everyone agrees with that with not only the Final Four, but the Super Bowl as well. But how big has it been for this city to be able to host this event, especially with those two teams in Duke UNC, kind of lifting it up a little bit more based on, you know, all the circumstances we just talked about? Yeah, it was a perfect scenario. I mean, it's a city that, you know, New Orleans was supposed to host the women's Final Four back in 2020. It got canceled. And so, I mean, that was, you know, a big loss there. And so this came around and uh, I guess you had the Sugar Bowl back in January, but this is kind of the biggest sporting event the city has really hosted since the pandemic ended and yeah I mean it was just to get Duke North Carolina Kansas and Villanova I mean two of the I mean I mean four of the best programs in in all of college basketball back in this city um just I mean I'll be curious to see what the numbers are as far as just um you know how much money was generated um over this weekend but yeah it's just been incredible and the city needed it and it looks like you know things felt normal. It felt back to normal as, as normal as it's been since um, 2020 for me. I mean, as far as just going to a sporting event and, you know, no mask, everybody just, you know, focusing on the sport and just having a good time. So it was really a really a, a good thing. And I did a story um, over the weekend. I, I talked to these fans who had been to 25 straight Final Fours. You know, they've been to Indianapolis, San Antonio, Minneapolis, Atlanta. And they said, I mean, and everybody says it. I mean, New Orleans is always a fan favorite just because of, I mean, it's a city where you can have a good time and everything's just so accessible. You, you, you come to New Orleans, you park your car at a hotel, you don't have to get in your car again. You can just walk wherever you need to go. And, uh, you know, that just makes this city such a, um, an attractive place for these, these type of events. And I think everybody, you don't come to New Orleans and not have a good time. Your team can lose and you're still going to have a good time in New Orleans. Exactly. No, that's a great point. I think that's one of the big reasons why people enjoy the weather. You couldn't have asked besides Saturday morning was a little iffy. Besides that, you couldn't have asked for better weather uh, for the city to host a final four. Before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Does North Carolina complete, I guess, sort of a Cinderella story being an eight seed, making it all the way that hasn't happened since I think Villanova back in the eighties, as far as winning it all. 
or does Kansas uh, hang on to win? Who do you got tonight, Rod? Well, I don't know if you really want my opinion because I picked um, Duke and Villanova to be in the finals. So, but I'll tell you, but I, I try not to go over three. But uh, I'm picking Kansas. I just think they have a lot of um, a lot more experience. This is a team that you know two years ago Kansas thought this team was going good enough to win it all, and that tournament got canceled. And they had a really good squad that year, and those guys are most of those guys are still here. And man, if you watch North Carolina after they beat Duke the other night, I mean you. You would have thought they won a national championship Saturday night. And I just I don't know if you can turn around, you know, 48 hours later and, and duplicate that kind of effort. If they can, I mean, that'll be a, a really a credit to uh, Hubert Davis. But I just think, man, I just think they put a lot of energy into Saturday night. And I just don't know if they'll be able to come back tonight. But they can keep it close early and not, you know, they can withstand that initial push that, that, that Kansas may have, like they had against Villanova. I mean, it could be a really interesting affair because obviously North Carolina is very talented with, a very talented backcourt and um, with Caleb Love and um, R.J. Davis. Yeah, absolutely. Should be a fun one tonight inside the Caesar Superdome. That's Rod Walker. He'll be covering it. Sports columnist for the Times Picking You, New Orleans Advocate, NOLA.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Rod Walker NOLA. Again, also cover Saints, Pelicans, whatever you need sports-wise. And other topics, he's got you. Rod, I really appreciate the time. Enjoy the atmosphere tonight. And I'm sure we'll talk to you down the road when the, the play-in is officially here for New Orleans. All right. Thanks, guys. There he goes. That's Rod Walker again at NOLA.com. Time speaking in the advocate. Great stuff and a, a great weekend for the city of New Orleans and almost a perfect weekend with the Pelicans falling to the Clippers last night, Jim. I think we'll kind of comb over that game. Just the Clippers just came out of the gate firing in all cylinders and really never looked back. Um, they've been playing really well. They scored 153 points the other night without any of their main guys against the Milwaukee Bucks. So this is a team on the rise. It has a little momentum heading into the play-in uh, as they got Paul George back, a team that the Pelicans could possibly see in a second play-in game. But, of course, they still have to be able to clinch it first. And, and Jim, let's get to that. Of course, we haven't talked since on this podcast since Friday or Wednesday, I should say. We didn't have a podcast on Friday. We are just getting so hyped for that game against the Lakers. And, look, the way that game turned out, uh, the Pelicans not really came back. It was back and forth most of the game, but down five with five to go, able to pull off the win against the Lakers, basically eliminating them from catching the Pelicans and potentially eliminating them from even making the play in to being having a chance to clinch last night just really says something about this team and this road trip too. going two and one so far. We keep talking about this unbelievable story of them and, and we're still this close to finally being able to say this team is a play in team. Yeah, it's incredible to see how far they've come from starting the season the way that they did where they were three and 16 and even at that point, even though finishing the top 10 doesn't seem like it's that extraordinary of a feat, when you start three and 16, it does look like even that is not something that's possible. I mean, I forget it, it wasn't something that I was tracking at the time, probably mostly because it would have been discouraging, but I feel like at some point the Pelicans were even five or six games out of 10th place. So the ground that they've covered over the last few months has been pretty amazing and it's been just so much fun to see. Um, one of the things that Willie Green mentioned after the game against Clippers last night was, you know, even though that game didn't go well, and like you said, the way that LA shot the ball from three, it was going to be tough for anybody to beat them. Pelicans didn't play well, so that really compounded the problem. But as as Willie Green said afterward, I mean, they can focus now on the game in Sacramento in Sacramento on Tuesday, knowing that they have a chance to have a really good road trip if they can get a win in that one to go three and one. Um, regardless of the combination of which games you won and which game you lost, 
is excellent. And so to be able to go three and one on this road trip and clinch a play in berth, I mean, that would be, that would be a great way to um, come back home and then play Portland on Thursday with a chance to, you know, potentially cement that nine seed so that you can play at home in the play to start the play in tournament. Yeah, I was about to say there is a chance in these next two games um, with the Spurs playing at Denver and at Minnesota, Pelicans at Sacramento versus Portland, two teams that are already been eliminated. Um, I know the Pelicans did not get off to a good start against Portland the other time. I think they will not make that same mistake again inside the Smoothie King Center. But two wins for the Pelicans, two losses by the Spurs, and they've secured ninth. So even by the weekend, the fact that you might not even be playing technically meaningful basketball says a lot about what the Pelicans can do here in these in these next two. Yeah, I think that would be great. I mean, it might be it's it might be asking a lot to get the help that you need, but I mean at right. the same time as you just just mentioned, I mean the Spurs are playing two tough opponents with Denver on Tuesday and then Minnesota on Thursday. And not not just two tough opponents, but also teams that have a ton to play for because both the Nuggets and the Timberwolves are in the position right now where the Nuggets are trying to stay in the top six so that they don't end up in the playing tournament. And the T-Wolves still have a chance behind um, Denver and Utah to catch one, one of those teams and not be in the play-in tournament, which, I mean, talk about teams that have had great years and are big success stories for the Timberwolves to have gone through what they had, what they've gone through the last bunch of years, and then maybe even be a top six team. That would be huge. So, I mean, it would be it would be ideal, obviously, for the Pelicans if by Saturday when they tip off against Memphis at five o'clock, um, they've already have they already have the nine seed wrapped up. They can kind of get some guys some rest in, in that back to back and not overly extend people, um, considering that we still don't know when the play in tournament is going to start if for in the Western Conference, if it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean, you could have a back to back Saturday, Sunday. Hopefully this doesn't happen. But worst case scenario, you have a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday you have to travel to um, San Antonio to start the play-in tournament. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully that they, they can get a little bit of a of a break at the end of the regular season and then have a little bit of prep time to get ready for the play-in tournament, regardless of how that shakes out. All right. So right now we're really not concerned about the Lakers as far as you basically win and you don't have to worry about them and you're only just school board watching for the Spurs, but there have been a lot of questions. I know you've been getting a ton as far as the Lakers draft pick and everyone's been following this. And also I know at least I've been scoreboard watching the wizards and the Knicks because those are two teams that they keep winning. will keep the Lakers from finishing outside of the top 10 as far as worst yeah. records in the NBA. So explain to the fans that have been kind of wondering how the Pelicans get the Lakers pick, where it falls, and what they can do here in the last four games to kind of, if they want to scoreboard watch, kind of figure out the best chances for the Pelicans to keep the Lakers pick. Because then we'll go over to the Pelicans pick most likely will not stick with them after this um, for this next draft. They'll probably go to someone other team, but we'll explain that after you talk about the Lakers pick. Sure. You know, it's funny. I wrote about the possibility that's increasingly greater and greater that the Pelicans are going to get the Lakers draft pick on the weekend. And I did have a few questions from people, including um, a, a person who tweeted to me basically, you know, thanks for the article, great article, but I still don't understand the details. And it made me kind of laugh because I was kind of like, do I need to write this thing again? Because if, right. if you don't understand the details, maybe I didn't do, do a good enough job. But with that said, it's, it is very complicated. I, I mean, I think I'll start with the one thing that's important to know is um, 
no matter what, it, it's not, we, we won't know that the Pelicans have the Lakers. They can't actually officially get it a hundred percent until the lottery. So it's not like regardless of, it's not like there's a scenario where the way this regular season ends is in this last week that we'll know after Sunday night, when every team's regular season is over. Okay. Yes. The Pelicans have the Lakers draft pick. Um, but basically right now the Lakers have the eighth worst record in the league. The Pelicans keep the Lakers pick if it's in the top 10 of the draft. So if the Lakers remain at what I always call the pre lottery slot of number eight, they would need two teams um, from that are in pre lottery slots, nine through 14 to jump or three teams, they would need to jump them to bounce them from eighth all the way down to 11th. In, in which case, if it's 11th, the Pelicans don't get it. But the percentage chance, I saw someone, a couple of people talk about this on the weekend. Percentage chance if the Lakers finish in the nine, in the eight slot is like 99.6% that the Pelicans keep the pick because it's just so the scenario of having three teams behind them in the order bump them and push them back to 11th is just almost it's it's extremely tiny to make a long story short, as you can tell by the percentage that I just cited. So basically the, what the Pelicans want and what fans should want is that the Lakers stay with the eighth worst record in the league. Um, the best they can finish right now is 35 and 47. Right now, the Wizards already have 34 wins. The Knicks already have 35 wins. So the, the Lakers pretty much have to run the table to, to move out of that eighth worst record. Um, the Knicks and Wizards actually play each other on Friday, which I think is great because it guarantees that one of those teams is going is going to win, whether it's the Knicks guaranteed to have 36 wins or more or the Wizards up to 35. So, I mean, it's looking really good. There's also a quick thing that I could throw in there that Sacramento has 29 wins and actually could catch the Lakers if the Lakers, say, lose all the rest of their games. So that's another factor that could push them down to seven um, in the order. But I don't know if I did a better job explaining there than I did in the article I wrote. I mean, there's it's it's hard with all the percentages and just the fact that, like I said, this doesn't isn't going to get finalized until the lottery, which I think is on May 17th or 18th. So that's when we'll be able to know for sure. But if the if the Lakers end up at number eight, it's looking very good as far as the Pelicans being able to get that pick from them, which is another huge bonus in addition to everything else that's happened. That's been great lately. Yeah, I do want to don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I believe when the Pelicans got the number one pick a couple of years ago, they were ninth. Were they slated at ninth in the lottery or eighth? I think it was. I think it was. It might have been. I think it might have been nine. I can't even remember. Okay. I remember I the percentage. The percentage was six percent, something like that. But I don't remember the slot now. And only be, I say that because Memphis was another team that was behind the Pelicans and they both jumped into the top four. So right. it is possible that two. Because we just saw it a couple of years ago when the Pelicans got Zion and the Memphis Grizzlies got Jaw, both those teams were nine and eleven, I believe, and jumped all the way in. So it is possible, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it does give the Pelicans a really good chance. I do want to go on the other side of this for Pelicans fans. Keep in mind that this pick that they own, their own pick, most likely will not be conveyed to them this season. The Pelicans finished in the top four, which could only really happen if they don't make the playoffs and they're in the play-in and they actually jump into the top four, ideally what would be great is you jump to the top four, Lakers just drop to nine, and you get both picks in the first round, which could happen, correct? Right. 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 But if not, it looks like if it's a lottery pick, you'll go to Portland from the C.J. McCollum trade, and if the Pelicans make the playoffs, you'll go to Charlotte 
from the Devontae Graham trade. So right. I think if I'm explaining this right, the Pelicans might not have their own pick, but it's looking really good right now if, if they keep the Pelicans or they get the Lakers pick. So I hope I may have confused everyone even more, but there's plenty <laughs> to watch here in the final four games. No, you, you know, you mentioned the best case scenario as far as, you know, they could keep, they could end up with both of those picks and say the Lakers drop down a little bit so the Pelicans still keep it. But there's actually a best, best case scenario in terms of specifically with the draft. Obviously, everyone wants the Pelicans to make the playoffs, but they actually could end up with two top four picks because they could move into the top four with their own pick and the Lakers pick. So I have seen people playing around with the uh, lottery machine. I don't know how many turns it took for them to find it, but I've seen people post the screenshot of the Pelicans picking, say, second and fourth or first and third. I mean, even first and second. Oh man. So, I mean, that would be, that would be, I, I feel like the rest of the league would, would try to change the rules if that happened, but that is, that is a scenario. I'm not going to do the number crunching on the percentage chance no, it's not that happening, that. especially since, like I said, we want new Orleans in the playoffs, which would eliminate the ability for that to happen in the first place. But nonetheless, fun to, fun to think about if, if the Pelicans uh, say make the play in tournament, but aren't able to advance through that. Lots of fun things to think about over the week as you'll have plenty of time until our next game, which is tomorrow at 9 p.m. Central time. I would say it's the final late game of the season, but tip times were announced over the weekend or for the weekend's games. Saturday at Memphis now at 5 p.m. And unfortunately, because I think they're pairing all the West Coast games at one time, Pelicans and Warriors will be at 8.30 p.m. Central time on Sunday. But still come out. Should be a fun one. And then we'll get you to the play-in schedule, hopefully, by the end of the weekend, obviously, come Sunday. They might have it all ready to go, depending on how many teams have clinched. But we will have a podcast for you on Wednesday. Newest member of the Naismith Basketball or Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, Swin Cash, will join us on Wednesday. And we'll have another podcast for you on Friday to recap what's hopefully a fantastic week for the Pelicans. Big thanks to Rod Walker for joining us. Thanks to Jim. I appreciate it, my friend. And, uh... We'll talk to you uh, on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the national championship if you're going. And until Wednesday, for Jim and Rod, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.